were leading tonight, even though you weren't uh, planning on that and prepared for it. And thank you for uh, giving me permission to not sing a song where it's written. We were a little bit low down there, and I enjoyed that. (laughs) On Wednesday nights, when I try to lower a song a half step, Don gets mad at me. No, don't do it. We can't hit the notes. So David gets up here, and boy, that was nice. I like that. And now I have permission. Especially, I get up at 5, 5.30 on Sunday mornings trying to warm my voice up so I can hit some of those notes. And um, so I'm going to start lowering the songs a little bit, I think. Um, my wife's getting ready to leave tomorrow. Uh, Paula and Haley, are they're going to head out to um, Jacksonville Beach, Florida. She has a dear friend there that uh, she and her husband are missionaries in Haiti. And uh, they had um, a baby just a few months before they went to the mission field. This is about a year or so ago. And um, so they took their brand new baby over to Haiti. Uh, he flies these small little planes in and out of these remote areas. And she is a physician's assistant, so they are, they're doing some wonderful work there in Haiti. Um, while they were in Haiti, they uh, remembered how they uh, had the first child, and she got pregnant with the second child. And uh, so uh, they came back to the States uh, to have the baby, and uh, they had the baby a couple of weeks ago. So they're, they're heading back um, to the mission field here just in about two or three more weeks. So uh, Paula says, I've got to go see... Uh, Catherine and uh, her new baby. So they're going to head out on the road, uh, break up the trip um, in Pensacola. Uh, later, at, later on this week, um, this weekend, I'm going to be traveling to Birmingham, uh, meeting my uh, younger son. We're going to take a couple of days and play some golf together. He's uh, a golf fanatic, and this is going to be kind of a, um, uh, a time for um, father and son to, to share a little time together, doing some things that we enjoy together and uh, sort of a, um, a graduation, a bigger graduation present than we've already given to him, and uh, really, really looking forward to it. But I know uh, being gone and traveling, and anytime you, you go somewhere, whether it's a long trip or you fly somewhere, when you, when you finally get back home, you know, you crawl into bed, you, you just take the dirty clothes, the suitcases, whatever it is, you just, you know, get them inside the door, brush your teeth, and just fall into bed, and you have that feeling when you get in, under the covers, it's just like, oh, it's just good to be home, isn't it? It, just, I mean, it doesn't matter what home is to you, uh, whether you live in a big house or a small house or you're renting or you own or whatever, it's just good to be back home. I appreciated the last song that David uh, led. I didn't ask him to lead that, but heaven came down and glory filled my soul. I want to talk a little bit about home tonight. And uh, as I was thinking about homes and growing up and raising kids, you know, um, I said, I'm going to, to see my younger son this, uh, this weekend. Um, my older son, uh, just celebrated two years of marriage, uh, going on three now. And, and I look around and, and, and Haley is, is growing up before my eyes. It was so precious this morning when, uh, Adam closed out our closing prayer and, uh, little Caden walks up on stage with him and just kind of tucks into his daddy's leg while, while he led the closing prayer. And I was just thinking about, you know, raising our children and, and uh, growing up in, in the households. And um, I came across this uh, some years ago. Many of you know about the Dead Sea Scrolls when they, when they found those scrolls in a cave. Well, uh, one cave over, they found the, the, these scrolls right here. Um, this is a father's lament. Uh, 
these are some of the household uh, codes that Moses would have included in the law had he been more um, uh, vested in raising the kids, okay? So uh, this is a little tongue-in-cheek, okay? These are um, the household codes that Moses would have written. Laws, these are the laws of the forbidden places, okay? Of the beasts of the field and of the fishes of the sea and of all the foods that are acceptable in my sight, you may eat, but not in the living room. Of the hoofed animals, broiled or ground into burgers, you may eat, but just not in the living room. Of the cloven hoofed animal, plain or with cheese, you may eat but not in the living room of the cereal grains of the corn and of the wheat and of the oats and of all the cereals that are of bright color. You may eat, but just not in the living room of all the frozen desserts and of all the frozen after meal treats. You may eat, but absolutely not in the living room of the juices and other beverages. Yes, even of those in sippy cups, you may drink. But absolutely not in the living room. Neither may you carry such therein. Indeed, you may reach the place where the living room carpet begins. And any food or beverage there you may not eat, neither may you drink. But if you are sick and are lying down and watching something, then you may eat in the living room. These are laws governing you at the table. If you are seated in your high chair or in a chair such as a greater person might use, keep your legs and feet below you as they were. Neither raise up your knees nor place your feet upon the table, for that is an abomination to me. Yes, even when you have an interesting bandage to show, your feet upon the table are an abomination and worthy of rebuke. Drink your milk as it is given you. Neither use it on any utensils, nor fork, nor spoon, for that is not what they are for. If you will dip your blocks in the milk and lick it off, you will be sent away. When you have drunk, let the empty cup remain there upon the table. And do not bite it upon its edge, and by your teeth hold it to your face in order to make noises sounding like a duck. For if you do, you shall surely be sent away. When you chew your food, keep your mouth closed until you have swallowed and do not open it to show your brother or your sister what is within. I say to you, do not so, even if your brother or sister have done so to you. Eat your food only. Do not eat that which is not food. Neither seize the table between your jaws nor use the raiment of the table to wipe your lips. I say again to you, do not touch it, but leave it as it is. And though the stick of carrot does indeed resemble a marker, draw not upon it uh, with the table, even in pretend, for we do not do that. That is why. And though the pieces of broccoli are very much like small trees, do not stand them upright to make a forest, because we do not do that. That is why. Sit down, just as I have told you, and do not lean to one side or the other, nor slide down until you are nearly slid away. Heed me, for if you sit like that, your hair will go into the syrup. And now, behold, even as I have said it, it has come to pass. (laughs) What do you think of when I say the word home? 
What, what comes to your mind when I, when I say home? That one word has a lot of pictures uh, in our mind. Uh, depending on what type of home you grew up in, whether you had loving parents or not, a lot of different images can come to our mind. But, but in a, in a picture-perfect world, what would you think of when I said the word home? When I think about home, I guess in a lot of ways I think about Nashville because that's kind of where life begins for me. We moved to Nashville when I was about five years old, and, and I've got some sketchy memories of Arkansas before that time, um, but, but not very many. We, we got out of there as soon as I could and got, got to Nashville. <laughs> so life begins there in Nashville, and, and I grew up in a little bitty Maybe a 1,200-square-foot home, a little small three-bedroom house, a little red brick house. And it was, the address was 618 McCarley Avenue, Nashville, Tennessee, 37115. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And our phone number was 865-4635. Uh, it didn't matter where I went. And sometime after that, we, we got a bunch of prank phone calls, so we had to change it. 865-6191. I mean, that, that's just in my, in my brain. That was the little house that I grew up in. For about four years, house uh, for me was a big red Silver Eagle bus, literally, as I, I traveled all around the country singing uh, for churches and, and different things. Home was literally a, a, a big Silver Eagle bus, um, traveling all around and singing and uh, having a lot of fun. But having a house, I have learned through the years, doesn't really make a home. But having a family does. Because home is, home is where your heart is. Uh, it's, it's where the people that you love are. And every week that goes by that I come to this place and I worship with the Pine Tree Church, and every day that I drive around Longview, um, Texas and Pine Tree becomes more and more of home. Uh, to my family and I. And as my wife will come back from her trip and as I'll come back from Birmingham, this will feel like home. Not because I own the house. I'm actually renting a house from, from the Hortons. But because it's where my family is. There's a big part of my heart that, that belongs in Nashville. Not because that's where I grew up necessarily. Because I've got two children and a daughter-in-law. And, and hopefully another daughter-in-law uh, somewhere down the line very soon. So... Having a house doesn't make a home, but having a family does. Many of you know the name Dr. David Livingston. Uh, he um, was a missionary back in the 1800s. Uh, he left England, went to Africa. Had kind of a mythic uh, status about him. He was uh, at times known as a martyr. Uh, he was a scientific explorer. He was uh, exploring the Nile River and, and, and all things that go along with that. He was also... Uh, an, an anti-slave crusader. Many know him for that, but most folks, I think, will remember him from history as a missionary. Dr. Livingston died as a missionary in Africa, and word was sent uh, about his death, and they were going to bring his body back to England, and his body was being prepared for transport where it was going to be buried back in England. But during the night, two of the natives, two of his followers snuck in where his body was, and with a crude knife, they cut out his heart. And then they wrapped his body and prepared it for burial. Now, today, Dr. Livingston's body is buried at Westminster Abbey in England. 
But his heart literally is buried under a tree in Africa. Because to the natives, that is where his heart really belonged. Africa had become home after all those years to Dr. Livingston. And as far as they were concerned, that's where his heart belonged as well. Home, it's a beautiful word. That's why the words, it's good to be home, are so sweet. That's why they write songs like, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to share a little passage here with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's begin in the first, the first verse. Paul's writing again here to the church at Corinth. He says, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. What's he talking about, this earthly tent? Talking about our bodies. He says, we know if this earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building from God. An eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed. In our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You know, a lot of times we sing songs about heaven, and uh, David led one just a minute ago. But instead of singing, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, I think so many of us uh, wind up singing, I'd like to stay here longer than man's allotted days. We, we have fallen so in love with this earth, and, and it is a beautiful earth that God has created for us. But you think about what we just got through reading there uh, in chapter 5. As long as I'm in the body, Paul says, as long as I'm wearing this tent, this clothing of flesh, he says, I, I, I just, I groan. I want to be with God. I want to be clothed in that heavenly dwelling. Look at the words he uses. He says, um, when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. He says, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up with life. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Don't you think of life happening right now? Don't you think about this evening, the here and the now and the good stuff that we enjoy? This is life. We talk about, man, I'm just going to really live it up as if this life were what it was all about. But Paul makes it very, very plain that we're looking forward to 
all of this being swallowed up by life. That's amazing to me because what we can see and taste and touch now is less real than what we can't see, what we can't taste, what we can't touch. We were talking about that this morning in our Bible class. That which we can see and are a part of now is far less real than that which we cannot see or taste or feel or touch. The Bible is very clear about that. Go back up to chapter 4. Look at chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is what eternal if you can see it now guess what it's temporary it's only temporary so he says we fix our eyes not on what we can see because what we can see is temporary we fix our eyes on what is unseen because that's the stuff that is eternal it's going to last. All right, fast forward with me down to um, chapter 5, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if any was, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. Who's, who's us? Christians, the church. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Some of you are familiar with uh, Bruce Wilkinson's work. He... Um, he wrote a little book called The Prayer of Jabez a few years ago. Many of you maybe got a copy of that, uh, read that. He's written a, a couple of other things. But um, Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book called A Life That God Rewards. And in that, he shares uh, this story. Let me read it to you. There was a missionary couple from Great Britain, and they had spent an entire lifetime serving God in some far corner of the earth. The century turned, and after 40 years, they wrote their supporters that they were finally coming home, and they sailed for England. When they laid eyes on their country's coastline for the first time in decades, the man said to his wife, I wonder if anyone will be there to welcome us home. Well, as the ship sailed into Plymouth Harbor, the 
elderly couple, they stood at the upper deck of the ocean liner and they were holding hands. And then to their surprise and their pleasure, they saw throngs of people crowded on the dock, pointing in their direction. They were cheering. A band was playing. Men held up a banner that read, Welcome home. We're proud of you. The husband was very deeply moved. Isn't this wonderful? His wife laughed happily and they decided that it was finally time to go below and to collect their luggage. But as they emerged on the gangplank, their hearts pounding with anticipation, they were suddenly taken aback. The crowd had already started to disperse. And soon it became very clear what had happened. The huge welcome was not for them. It was for a politician returning from some foreign success. In fact, no one was there to greet them at all. The husband couldn't hide his disappointment. He said, after a lifetime of service, this isn't much of a welcome home, is it? And his wife took him by the arm and she softly said, Come along, sweetheart. This is England. We're not home yet. We are not home yet. And because of that, because of that, there's much work to be done. You know, I want this church, when people come here on Sunday mornings or whenever they, they come to visit, I want people to feel so warm and I want them to feel so welcomed to say that, man, that Pine Tree Church is such a loving, loving group of people. But even more than that, I want us to be a church that is not just welcoming, but actually goes into our world, into our communities, into our schools, into our places of employment and actively share our faith. Take the message to the lost of Longview. As Richie said this morning, you can no longer just build it and they will come. It doesn't happen. We've got to be a people. As Paul said to the Corinthians, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Just as Christ was reconciling sinners back to God, so now as Christ body on earth, which is what the church is. Christ is the head of the body, his church, of which he is the savior. Now, as his body on earth, we have been entrusted with that message of reconciliation to reconcile lost sinners back to a wonderful and loving savior. This is only England. This is only Longview. We're just in Texas. We are not home yet. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And as His body, as His people, as His church, that is what we are to be about as well. Let's bow. Let's pray. Father God, thank You. Thank You for being our God. Father, thank You for being so good to us for blessing us far beyond that which we deserve. Father, for giving your Son as 
the beautiful and perfect sacrifice for us so that we could be reconciled, a, a lost, sinful people reconciled back to a holy, sinless, perfect God. And God, help us to feel that burden, that ministry of reconciliation that we've been given. Father, help us to have Jesus on our hearts and on our lips and on our tongues so that every word we speak is seasoned with your love and with your grace and with your mercy. Help us, Father, as we've been thinking the last few weeks, to get out of the boat, to be willing to step out in faith, to hear the call and, and to heed the call. Maybe we've gotten so used to the call that we've, it, it's become commonplace to us. But, Father, help us, help us not just to hear it, but to heed the call and to come and to do great things in your name, by your power, not by our might, but by your spirit alive and living in us. Thank you, Father, for the church here at Pine Tree, for the light that it is here in this community. And, Father, may our light shine brighter than ever before. May we as a people feel that burden and that excitement that we have such a precious promise that we can share with those around us. Father, help us to be bold and strong and courageous. We thank you, Father, in the strong and precious name of Jesus, our Savior. And amen.